You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to a very special edition of the Fearless Business Podcast. I am very excited to be bringing you a an extra podcast episode specifically made for Inbound. If you don't know what Inbound is, it is this amazing conference, and I was lucky enough to be chosen to speak this year. What was not so lucky was our pandemic. So unfortunately, we've had to move online, but I am very, very honored to have been asked to create a podcast episode specific for Inbound and all of our regular listeners. So hi to all of you as well. Talking about negotiation. I am really thrilled to be talking about this topic because it is one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm going to talk about something a little bit different, but before I dive into the topic, I want to introduce myself to all of our inbound listeners who may never have gotten a chance to hear our podcast. My name is Jamie Lieberman, and I am the owner and founder of a law firm called Hashtag Legal. At Hashtag Legal, we focus on working with entrepreneurs, online businesses, and creators Our job is to make legal easy and accessible for our clients so you're not afraid of it anymore because a lot of people, let's face it, don't really like lawyers. And so I am excited to be able to work with clients all across the board from those who are designers to coaches to marketers to tech companies, and we provide services across the gamut from you know business formation to contracts, intellectual property, employment, all that good stuff. But the one common thread through all of our creators is at one time or another, someone is going to have to negotiate. And so I have been a lawyer for the last 15 years, and the first part of my career I spent litigating. So I was in courtrooms and lawsuits, and all we did was frankly either yell at each other or negotiate. I took all of what I learned. I'm now using it for good, uh, and I'm helping business owners step into their comfort zone with negotiation. I talk a lot about negotiation. You can find other topics on the Fearless Business Podcast. I talk about my six-step framework in another episode. I'll drop that. I recently dropped an episode 
episode all about boundaries and saying no. And so this is an, a topic that it means a lot to me and is important to me and I think is important to any business owner is feeling comfortable in negotiation. And one of the reasons why negotiation can often feel so uncomfortable is because we've all come across a really difficult person. I frankly probably have had my share of more difficult people than most as a lawyer. Uh, many lawyers that I work with uh, or am forced to negotiate with are frankly really difficult. I've come up with a lot of tips and tricks in order to help me be better equipped to deal with difficult people. And I'm going to detail all of them here. In the beginning, I'm going to talk about my six steps that I use for all negotiations to give you a little bit of context. Like I said, for more information or to be more in-depth about that, you can check out that other podcast episode. I actually have a really cool negotiation download as well that I'll drop a link for through hashtag legal so you can go and check that out. That will help you with that framework and enable you to better prepare for negotiations. But no matter how much we prepare, no matter how ready to go we are, when you come across a difficult person, especially if it's the one of the first times, it can just kind of be like a, a hit in the face. It's really emotional and it's really, really difficult. So spending some time understanding how you deal with difficult people will really help you in uh, negotiating with those people. So to get started, I just want to detail quickly, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each uh, step, but just so you have context or framework, my six steps that I use when I approach any negotiation. The first step is strategy. And the one thing that you need to know about negotiations is it is all about the preparation. Preparation is so incredibly important. That is way before you even think about getting to bargaining. And a lot of people think about negotiation purely as that bargaining. They're just thinking about when you go and buy a car and or when you want to buy a house and, you know, somebody has one price and then, you know, the person that you're negotiating with has one price. You have another price and you meet in the middle and call it a day. That's not negotiating. Uh, but a lot of people think about negotiating that way. So the first thing that we're going to start by doing is we're going to strategize. And this is something you're going to do on your own. You're going to be thinking about what's important to you, what you want, what your options and your currencies are. This is not just money. And so I want you to remember that we can be negotiating about lots of things like payment terms or ownership of deliverables. So there's loads of different topics that can be negotiating about. And the other thing that you want to think about during strategy is you want to think about what your walkaway position is. And I'm going to start here because this is going to be a really common theme throughout this entire podcast episode. You have to be able to walk away. If you don't have a walkaway position, you don't have a negotiation because there's no leverage. So you have to know going in that there is going to be a certain point where you're going to walk away. And this is going to give you a lot of power and comfort when dealing with a difficult person. After we strategize, you're going to set your climate. You're going to set the tone. I am a collaborative negotiator. So I am of the mindset that we all should work together to come to a common goal. Because nine times out of 10, when you're negotiating with someone, they want something and you want something. And there's a Venn diagram, if you think of it in your head. The middle part is the part where you guys come together and we get what we want. 
We might not get all of what we want, but we're going to get a lot of what we want. And so setting the climate from the beginning is important. I am very positive, conversational, energetic, and I'm setting an agenda so that we're building a relationship. This may be the first time that you deal with a difficult person. I don't change how I want to set that climate. And so we'll talk more about what that looks like. But note that my attitude is always going to stay positive and my attitude is always going to stay relational so that it feels as if we can come to a compromise, no matter how difficult somebody gets. It is really good to disarm a difficult person that way, but it is important. And I don't want you to mistake being positive and relational for being someone who's going to be walked all over. Those are two very different things. And that comes to your boundaries. And we're going to talk about that later. The biggest part of negotiation after your strategy and setting the climate is obtaining information. This is questions, asking questions. And in this stage, this is where it is very easy to disarm a difficult person by asking lots of questions. We're going to make sure that we're asking open-ended questions, non-judgmental questions, and really focusing on active listening. So you're acknowledging what the other party is saying, and you're making sure that you understand uh, what their positions are. In doing so, you're going to be, our next step, clarifying the positions and interests. Those are two different things. If you're focusing on positions, which is, I want $5,000, versus interest, which is why you want that amount of money, it's harder to negotiate. But if we start to focus on interests, why you are asking for that position, it is another great way to disarm a difficult person. Our next phase is actually bargaining. So we have gotten to the point where we have narrowed the issue so much that we've gotten to a point where there's probably only one or two issues that actually need to be negotiated because we've spent so much time preparing. This is your give and take. This is your back and forth. This is honestly where people become, frankly, the most difficult. And then hopefully once you come to an agreement, you're going to memorialize that agreement. I'm a lawyer, so I have to say this. Make sure you put it in writing. It's very important to have a good contract, particularly when you've spent all this time negotiating to come up with the deal that you want. Now, let's move on to difficult people. So really, someone can become difficult at any time. Some people, they prefer competition over collaboration. And for those people, there's not a lot we can do. We'll talk about that. But for most people that become difficult, it's really a specific trigger. Um, and that trigger is going to merit a different response. This usually comes up when you're uncovering or gathering information. People don't typically start off difficult when you're setting the tone or the climate. It becomes when you're obtaining information or you're bargaining. That being said, there are a few main reasons that I've found in my negotiations that essentially cause someone to become difficult. And I want to talk about and a real life case that I had in my practice where we were negotiating with some very difficult people. I was working with a client who was looking to purchase the assets of a retail store. And the other side was had a lot of debt. And they're frankly, if my client didn't purchase the business, it was going to go out of business. But that being said, the owner of the retail store had high value of this business, despite the fact that the numbers didn't play out that way. And there was a really emotional aspect for the seller of the business that, frankly, the buyer didn't have. We got to a point where it became really difficult because the seller of the business was just really emotional about how they were feeling about things that had nothing to do with negotiation. And so my first example of when a person become, can become difficult 
is hidden constraints, things you don't know. We didn't know the amount of debt that the seller had until we started to dig in and ask a lot of questions. And so that example made our seller really difficult and didn't want to answer questions and was worried and had all of these other things in the background, which turned them into somebody who wasn't very nice. There are other hidden constraints. There's advice from lawyers. I mean, lawyers kind of can ruin so many things, right? Fear of setting a precedent. So if you're working with a supplier and you ask them for, say, 60-day payment terms, but all of their other clients only have 30-day payment terms, that might be a constraint you don't know about. Um, And so it can cause them to dig in and become difficult. Budgets are a big one. You may not know where their budget, what their budget is or how much they have. And people are really tight with giving that information. And so a tight budget can be another hidden constraint. A last example of that is also a lack of authority. You might be talking to the wrong person or you may be talking to someone who has to get an approval for someone else. You're going to find that out when you're asking information. And that I call my distinction between gatekeepers and decision makers. And so it's really important to know who you're talking to um, and that will help you. Another reason why people become difficult during negotiations is time pressure. In my retail example, there were a whole bunch of rent payments that were coming due and tensions were really high. And we had to deal with the third party of the landlord for the retail store. And so everybody was just really tense. The landlord, the seller had no control over what the landlord was going to do. And the landlord had a pretty binding contract with the seller, but it was in the landlord's best interest in order to get the buyer in who actually had money. And so those time pressures, having to get the deal done quickly, it honestly led to a lot of tension and it can also lead to mistakes. So we're going to talk a little bit more about time in negotiation. But when I hear someone say to me, I need to get this deal done fast, I'm always going to put at least a pause on it because the minute you start to do things quickly, tensions will go quick, go high, and people will start to make mistakes. So time pressures are a huge reason why people become difficult. Another example and another category of reasons why people become difficult are hidden interests. So these are facts you don't know. This person may not like you, or they may not like someone in your company, or they may not want to sell. Like in the case of the seller, she had to sell, but didn't want to sell. And so that's another example. Um, There might be another deal on the table you don't know about. And another example of this is also the personal feelings. So in my retail store example, the seller felt like the brand was worth way more than it actually was because maybe five, seven years ago, it had value. And this brand had been going for a really, really long time. And so those personal feelings can cloud judgment and objective and in a negotiation and can cause someone to be difficult. My last general category are people who just need to win or are frankly just not nice. (laughs) There are people like this. We've all encountered them. I've certainly had them. Um, I had one guy who screamed at me multiple times, um, threatened me, threatened my client. None of it actually was with reality, but I had to shut that down because this is just one of those that it's impossible to overcome. If someone is this different, nothing you are going to do is going to change that. You cannot stop being somebody from being nasty, but it doesn't mean that you have to take it. This is that situation where it may be really important for you to know when to say no and walk away because it may not be worth the negotiation. And so you have to think about those boundaries. I'm going to talk more about that as well. 
what do you do? You face a difficult person. I have a number of steps that I'm going to walk through that'll help you. Um, and if you kind of run these steps while you're going through that negotiation or have them in the back of your mind, it's going to help you maintain the calm that you need. And my first step is that you have to remain calm. It's hard. I have been screamed at. I have been called names. I've been told, sweetheart. One time a a gentleman said to me, he wasn't sure how long I'd actually been practicing law, but clearly I didn't know what I was doing. And as you'll learn later, these are triggers for me. I have a very difficult time with that. But remaining calm is key. The minute you rise to a difficult person's level, the minute you start to go down that path, there it's it's done the everything is going to break apart it's you're never going to be able to come back from that so remaining calm is key and also frankly difficult people thrive on that type of conflict it's what they're looking for if you don't give it to them it often takes the wind out of their sails frankly they look dumb when you see somebody screaming at one person and the other person's not yelling back the yelling person looks kind of crazy so it is important to remain calm and to do that you may need to take a pause. I use pauses all the time. And this goes back to my timeliness factor. It is so important that you don't rush things. If you need a break, if somebody's being aggressive with you, you can stop the conversation even if it's for 15 minutes. But it's really important that you take that pause and take that minute. If you if there is a triggering behavior for you and you're having a hard time remaining calm, click over like you have another call. Just take a minute, a few deep breaths. You are always allowed to pause. And in fact, you can say, I'm going to need a minute because you're screaming at me and I need to gather my thoughts. There's nothing wrong with that. And in doing so, you can then do my next next step, which is setting standards of behavior. There are certain standards that are really important for me. And I'm going to get to this a little bit later. A triggering behavior for me that makes me extremely angry is when someone interrupts me when I'm in the middle of a sentence. If somebody interrupts me, I'm going to stop them and say, I'm going to ask you during this conversation to let me finish my thoughts and I will give you the same respect as well. Please do not interrupt me. Setting those standards of behavior, you'd be shocked. Sometimes you actually just have to say that even though it is just common courtesy. But you have to think about what is most important to you and what standards of behavior, your minimum standards of behavior that you require. It may seem like a no-brainer that we should all be able to get on the phone and have a great conversation, even when we're negotiating about something heated, because let's face it, this is not personal and should not be, particularly when we're negotiating a business deal, but many people make it personal. So setting those standards of behavior and saying them out loud will not only make you feel great, (laughs) but it will also let the other person know what you will and won't stand for. Remember the end game and remind yourself that negotiation is not about winning. As soon as we come out of that I must win mindset, it's a lot easier to collaborate and it's a lot easier to make concessions where it's appropriate to concede. There's always going to be concessions on both sides. Otherwise, there is no negotiation. And so knowing your end game is important and reminding yourself of that, particularly when you take that pause to try to remain calm. And so those are sort of the mindset steps you need to take in the beginning when you first deal with that difficult person and remind yourself of these steps over and over and over again, particularly if you know you're going to get on the call with a difficult person or have to have an in-person meeting, remaining calm, taking a pause, setting your standards of behavior and reminding yourself about the end game. 
during the negotiation, it is so much more positive and collaborative to focus on your interests. And if you remember, your interests are your whys instead of your positions and your positions are your what's. It is really a lot easier to get creative and solve problems or see how you can help solve the other side's problem if you're focused on interests. The interest in my retail store example was that the seller wanted the brand to go on. The buyer wanted, loved this brand and felt really strongly about it and wanted to be the person to bring it on, but couldn't justify a high ticket price because that isn't what it was worth. And the landlord wanted someone who could pay and continue on the lease. If you'll notice, except for the landlord, my seller and buyer, they're wise were really their positions and their interests they were really they were emotional they weren't so much money and so focusing on those interests allowed us to get creative as to how we could structure this deal so it was fair for both sides the deal ended up looking completely different than it did when we started focusing on the commonality this is really something you can do to try to bridge a gap like I said, most of these are not going to work for just a truly difficult person, but when you're dealing with hidden constraints or time pressures or something like that. And then when you do this, consider whether the conflict is actually due to positions or it's due to personality. If it's due to personality, like I said, there's not a ton you can do about it. But if it's about positions, you can certainly try to find commonality. Like in my retail store example, when everybody wanted to see this brand live on. Here's where being strong comes into play as well. You have to revert to your boundaries and definitely check out my other podcast episode about boundaries and saying no, because it's really important to know what you will or will not accept. If there's a situation that you're forced to accept that's outside of your boundaries, then you're not in that great of a strong negotiation position. Keeping those boundaries and making sure you you identify what those boundaries are, are clear. Interrupting is one of my boundaries. Knowing what those boundaries are, setting them, setting a clear intention for them, laying them out so the person you're negotiating with knows, it's helpful. And that leads into my next tip, which is hold your ground while trying to find a compromise. Acknowledging the other side's ask will go a long way, even if you can't agree with it. But just saying, I hear what you're saying, I know what you want, and then acknowledging or responding with an ask, and then what your needs are. And that paraphrasing goes alongside most often the people that you're negotiating with just want to be heard. They feel so frustrated or they may feel emotional or angry. And so acknowledging their position, acknowledging their interests will help you in bridging that gap and hopefully take out some of the tension. If you can, giving the other side a win is a really great thing to do to bridge gaps. I'm going to use an example I do with my children. <laughs> Oftentimes my kids want what they want. I get it. But sometimes I'm not able to give them what they want. But what I do give them are choices, both of which they could deal with. So depending on you're going to have a vegetable with dinner, but you get to pick if it's broccoli, cauliflower, or peas. I also do this when it comes to I'm full, I don't want any more, but I want dessert. And so my choices are you can totally stop eating now, but you're not getting anything else. I'm giving them a choice. So they feel heard, but it may not be the choices that they want, but at minimum, they feel more in control. When you give choices to people, they start to feel like they have options. Knowing your triggers and knowing when to walk away is my final tip. My triggers, as I've talked about, are interrupting. I do not like when someone is condescending or implies I don't know what I'm doing. That frustrates me. And I know that's a trigger for me. And I have to remind myself that 
I don't need to like the other person and they don't need to like me. This is business. And when we're negotiating, this is about common courtesy, but we don't have to be best friends. Asking questions, even when someone is difficult, setting those boundaries, you can disarm a person and also get information. But one thing that you always have to remind yourself of is you have to have a clear picture of who you are when you're faced with conflict so that you have the tools in place to combat your reactions. I have a pretty quick temper. And so when someone starts to interrupt or be condescending to me, my instinct is to clap back with something rude. And so I know I need to pause. I know I need to walk away. I do not respond to those emails immediately. I got one of the rudest emails the other day, and I was already typing that email when I was like, nope, stop. You cannot send this email. I could write it out to make myself feel better, but I knew I couldn't send it. And when I went back to it about an hour later, I realized, thank goodness I did not send that email. And the last thing to always remember and to remind yourself is you can always walk away. And often, no is the best answer. That deal is likely not worth it if it is such a struggle to get through it. Sometimes it is just better to know when you can walk away. So I'm thrilled that you listened all about my take on difficult people. I would love to hear the people that came from Inbound who can come uh, let me know that you found our podcast or if this was helpful. I'm going to drop some links in the show notes specific to the podcast, my negotiation worksheet. Um, Also, we have a private Facebook group called the Fearless Business Podcast HQ, which you can find in Facebook. We have conversations about some of the topics. And I'd love to hear any other topics you might like to hear about. We tend to have themes each month um, at the Fearless Business Podcast where we tackle uh, different subjects on a theme. So if you have any theme ideas, and you should definitely go check out our past episodes because we have, I think, 130 or maybe even more at this point. So we have a lot of great content. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, You can find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.